your vacation plans are for this summer. But, uh, you know, maybe you're going to go to Paradise Island, right? Wouldn't that be nice? We could all. And then you know, maybe you can go to uh, 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 next slide. You know, up in the mountains next to a river. Wouldn't that be awesome? I don't know what your plans are this summer for your trip, but today I want to take you on a trip like no other. Ready? Next slide. How about if we go on a guilt trip today? Anybody interested? Round trip pass. You got one. Okay. Two. We don't want to go on a guilt trip, right? It's a, it's a bad word. That's what we're going to talk about today is guilt trip. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an appropriate thing to talk about in church. But the reality of it is it's everywhere. A lot of people have an idea that it's a, it's a, it's a church thing, but a religious thing. But it's not. It, it's everywhere. Next slide. You know, uh, how I grew up and the way I grew up, right next to the refrigerator in the house that I grew up in was this plaque. And it used to hang right there. And there were five of us and the children of my family. And each one of us represented. And this is the exact plaque that we have at home in my house. Okay, it's called the family dog house. And what the saying is, is who is in the family dog house to stay out? Obey the rules. To get in, try some shenanigans. And so all the, all the siblings, and, and I was the, the one on your far right, uh, and, and that was me. I was the little, the little dog. And guess who spent a lot of time in the dog house? But, you know, this was symbolic of how things were run in, in my house. A lot of guilt was, was wielded around. Uh, and I, you know, when I was preparing for this lesson, I, I thought back about my childhood and I remember so much of what we did was managed by guilt. And, and I remember, you know, as a young man, uh, as a child, feeling, feeling guilty a lot. And what I would have appreciated is if someone could have sat down with me. First of all, if I, if, if the people that were helping me with my life had a good understanding of guilt. And then if they could have sat down with me and and helped me with with my guilt. So back to the. Uh, back to the. Uh, thanks, Chris, but I didn't need you to do that. OK, thanks. Yeah, it's not running the thing. So but but, you know, this is this is what we do. Not back up. OK, we're going to we're going to spend a little time here. But as I was growing up, it, it, it was something that I felt a lot it's at school, with schoolwork, at home, with my behavior at home, uh, even in the neighborhood, you know, amongst my peers. Uh, I just remember my, my childhood being weighed down with a lot of guilt. And what would have been helpful for me is if someone would have sat down with me and, and helped me understand guilt. And today, that's what I want to do with you. I hope this will be helpful. You know, uh, maybe we can address the echo in the sound. We got, we're, we're dealing right now with stuff as I speak. But, uh, you know, for, for me as, as, as a young man, it would have helped if someone could have helped me do that. And that's what I hope today I can extend out to you. 
is that you can help manage your guilt. Let's, let's go to the next slide. You know, parents are pros at wielding out guilt. You know, like a dealer. Ever heard this one? I thought I raised you better than that. I mean, what is that? The next one is, is this the thanks I get for all I've done for you? Or, or how about this one? How am I supposed to show my face after what you've done? How can I go to the school? How can I go and see my, 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 my other family members? You know, how can I do that? Brought to you by the people that love you dearly. This awful feeling of guilt. Free gift from your parents. But before we get too hard on the parents, kids are pretty good at this one too. Next, next slide. You know, ever heard this one from the kids? What do you mean I can't have that new whatever it is? Fill in the blank. iPhone, cell phone, you know, whatever it is. You know, that new Katy Perry CD, whatever it is. You know, and then another one that they, they wheeled around is all the other kids have one. So how's this supposed to make a parent feel, right? Guilty, right? Because, and then the last one, do you mean I have to go to school looking like that? And so what do, as parents, we, we get the guilt trip put on us also that we walk around feeling guilty that we're bad parents. We're not taking care of our kids, you know, and, and there's enough guilt to go around this whole room, right? We, we dish it out. We, we do it. And, and, and one of the things that's important for us to understand when we talk about guilt is it's, it's not in the context of family, but it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I'll give you an example. You know, uh, for singles, if you're single, guess what you feel about not being married? Guilty. Now, if you get in a relationship and, you know, that relationship is moving along, but there's, you know, there's a lot of passion in the relationship. And, you know, what do you feel then? Guilty. You know, and, and when you're at home, you feel guilty. When you're with your friends, you feel guilty because there's even guilt placed on you as, you know, a peer in your friends group. Because you're not doing what everybody else is doing. And so it's not just a church thing. And a lot of times they say, well, I don't want anything to do with church because I don't want to go and sit down in a place and be made feel guilty. Why do I have to get up real early in the morning, get dressed, get ready just to go be made feel guilty? That's not the point of our services. And that's not the point of what God's trying to do in your life. And there are churches, there are places that manipulate and use guilt. But that's not the point. And an understanding of guilt is, is very important. Next slide. What, what guilt means, back up to that last point there, very important. Okay, kids are good at it too. Yeah, yeah. See, that, then when I don't have control, it just, you know... We're all control freaks. This is last thing. What, what is guilt? Let, let's talk about guilt. Guilt is the translation for guilt, for all these phrases, for all these things that people say. You have not met my standard for whether it's family, whether it's friendship, whether it's parenting, whatever it is. You've not met my standard. And so, therefore, I'm going to make you feel guilty. Next slide. The definition of guilt, as it is in this context. That we're talking about today. Guilt is the feeling of failure.
towards someone or something outside of oneself. It's something that has to do with what's happening over here. And guilt is the cutting edge. It's, it's like a conscience that is called into action by the disconnect between one's behavior and one's values or your standards or your expectations. It's that disconnect. Guess what fills the gap between what you're doing and what you consider your value system or somebody else's value system? Guess what you feel in the middle? Guilt. When those two aren't together and they're not in sync, guess what you feel? Guilt. And so for me doing this lesson, it was very helpful, but I wish I'd have gotten it so much sooner. And I'm glad that you get to hear it today because this is going to help you understand guilt where it comes from, why we have it, and what to do with it so that you don't have to go on a guilt trip this summer. And in the future, when you get a round-trip ticket, all expenses paid, meals included, everything, on a guilt trip, you can say, no, thank you, I would prefer not to go on that trip. Next slide. Here's a passage of Scripture that talks about, basically, guilt's in everyone. Romans chapter 2, verse 14. This is Paul talking about, you know, people outside of what would be considered Christianity or even Judaism at that time in the first century. Look at what he says here. Indeed, the Gentiles, that word means basically non-religious people or people that have, you know, a pagan religion outside of their moral value. Indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature's things required by the law. They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. In other words, they don't know this, right? They don't know this, but it's written here. They have their own sense of moral values. They show the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences are also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing them. Guess what this passage is speaking to? Whether you're in a religious setting or if you're in an outside of religious setting, guess what you've got inside of you? A conscience, a sensitivity where you're going to feel guilt. All of us have it. All of us are going to feel it. The question is, what are you going to do with it? And the Bible speaks to us and helps us how to manage it. People think that the Bible is the great hammer, that it's, gonna, it's just going to pound you with guilt. That's not true. In fact, if you want to know the truth, that's what we're going to talk about today, is Jesus died on the cross to set you free from guilt. And God doesn't want us to send us on guilt trips who is responsible for sending us on guilt trips? Guess who's responsible? We are. You are. I am. It's a choice. How we manage that disconnect between what we're living and our moral values. Let's go to the next slide. Guilt is God-given. Guilt is God-given. Just like your nerve endings... You know, when you feel something, we're going to watch a little cute video that, that portrays how when you are in pain, guess what happens? You feel it, right? There's indicators. God has given you indicators. Let's watch the next slide. 
Okay, so do you think Charlie's guilty? Charlie is not guilty. But you know, all of us have a sensory system that when things hurt, we scream out. Guilt also is a pain, but instead of screaming out, guess what we do with it? We take it in. And it has a very damaging effect on our joy level and our relationships and how we're going to live our lives. And if you don't process guilt right, it can make a mess of you emotionally, spiritually, in a lot of ways. And so it's important for you and I to understand guilt. Guilt is God-given. But it just like a nerve, you know, when, when, when little boy Charlie was chomping down there, I mean, you couldn't get his finger out of there soon enough. Guilt is the same way in that it's telling you, get out of there. Stop doing that. Whatever's provoking guilt, put an end to it. Move in a different direction. Live another type of life. But what happens, some of our ignorance comes into play, and this is this scripture, it's, There's a teaching out there in the world that guilt is a bad thing. And this is what I adopted as kind of my teaching for many years of my life. I was so tired of feeling guilt. Guess what I decided? I'm not going to feel it anymore. You know, my parents came along and they tried to, you know, load me down with some guilt. You know know what I did? I don't care. I don't care how that makes you feel. My teachers did it. If my friends did it, I just became numb. And this is what the teaching is. Such teaching comes through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. This is extreme. This is about what Paul was talking about the future holds for us in a religious setting. Don't feel bad about anything. And so for a number of years in my life, probably from the age 14 till 21, guess what I did with my guilt? pushed it off and I numbed out and I said, I'm not going to, I did some really, really bad stuff, but I said, I'm not going to feel guilt over this. You know, guilt is bad. Guilt is a guilt is something that, you know, the man is dishing out. And so what I would do is just numb out. And so I'm going to introduce you to something next slide. It's called the guiltometer. Guiltometer. And, and this, this guiltometer, I wish all of us had one. Could you imagine if we were able to walk around, if there was an app developed? If we were to walk around and we had a guiltometer, and if somebody tries, you know, you get that bad feeling that you have, you know, guilt, and you go, okay, let me get the guiltometer out and see where this is, this is at. And see how I'm responding to this guilt. 
And the guiltometer is to the to the your far right is or your far left, your far left guiltometer is you don't like I did. I'm not going to feel this. I'm just going to numb out. I'm going to become desensitized to this pain. You know, that's a bad thing because you know what happens when you numb out? I tried it for many years. You know what happens? It doesn't go away. It comes back fivefold. And it comes back in this huge, huge tsunami wave and it just pounds you. And you feel an extreme depression. The wake-up call to numbing out is overwhelming. And so when you medicate and you avoid guilt, you're just postponing something that's going to be twice as bad, if not ten times as bad, later. Guilt is God-given. It's there as an indicator. But you've got to make some choices. So if your guilt-o-meter is reading hard to the left, that you're numb, and you know who can help you with this? Close friends can help you with this. Prayer can help you with this. And just a self-awareness. Am I walking around just numb to stuff that I don't have a conscience? You know what we call people who don't feel things? You know, criminals who don't feel? They're psychopaths. And that's what we're looking for. You know, when you see those court scenes and you're looking at the accused and and they're the victims and the victims are accusing and they're telling their story about what happened, the consequences, the pain. Guess what they're looking at the accused, what they're trying to see if he's if he's demonstrating any kind of remorse. And if he's hardened, if he's without guilt, guess what's going to happen? You're going to throw the book at him. And that's what that's what all of us look for when a wrong has been done. Let's go to the next slide. And medicating doesn't help at all. Look what Jesus said when he addressed this this situation in in his setting when he was walking the earth. Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 13 verse 15. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. I mean, Jesus, when he would go around trying to help people manage their guilt, when he would actually help them see things that were were needed in their lives, that they weren't living up to God's standard, guess what he encountered? Numb people. I mean, he would he would share the word and they just it just wouldn't penetrate. They'd become like calluses. And you and I develop calluses on our hands or on our knees or wherever to harden us. To make that skin tough. But can you imagine a calloused heart? A heart that was made to love, a heart that was made to feel, a heart that was made to, you know, experience joy experience life to its full. Can you imagine a calloused heart? I mean, it shuts you down. You look at a calloused heart person in the eyes, what do you see? A zombie. They're a shell of a person. Their smile is guarded. Their laugh, their joy, everything's guarded. It's hardened. And guess what I became as a young man? Calloused. Calloused in my heart. And I realized it. I woke up and realized, you know, if I'm going to get healed, 
I've got to deal with what's going on here. And this idea of managing guilt by not feeling it is not good. Being calloused. It's only making things worse. Next slide. Here's another another extreme to the guiltometer. Go to the far right. And we encounter this a lot in church settings. Right? What's the one on the far right? You're guilted out. Overdone guilt. You know, and there was a time, there was a period in time in my life where I felt, it, I felt guilted out. Even I would say my first year as, as a young, you know, converted, changed Christian, you know, that first year, there was a few months in there where I was guilted out because here I am trying to live up to this new standard that God had planned for me. I was reading my Bible. I was trying to do the right thing. But guess what I was feeling a lot of? Extreme guilt. And I remember, you know, trying to figure out, okay, why am I feeling guilty all the time? I've got God's forgiveness. I've gotten, you know, a great setting, a great situation. How come I'm getting guilted out here? See, in neither one of these dreams is good. And in a, in a Christian setting, you know, one of the things that Christian counselors deal with a lot is that guilted out people are separated from a healthy relationship with Jesus. And it's not a good thing. And I feel like there maybe are a few. I I, I would say for the most part, what most of us deal with is not the guilted outside. We're probably in today's generation more on the numbed outside. But there are a few. And I want to address you today. If you're guilted out, if every time you pick up the Bible, you close it and you're guilted out, you're not managing your guilt right. And it's time for you to get help. It's time for you to deal with it differently. That's not God's plan for your life, to be guilt-ridden and guilted out on that far right side. Next slide. So here's the passage. This is kind of like the key passage that we're going to look at today that helps us understand how to manage guilt. You know, if you ever get to feel like your church is a mess, if you need some encouragement... Go to the book of 1 Corinthians. You will feel awesome about your church. And that's what I appreciate about the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us the the painted truth. It tells us the clear truth. As ugly as it might get, as ugly as it is, the Bible gives us the clear truth. And you know what was going on in Corinth? Some really, really bad stuff. There were lawsuits going on between members of the church. Uh, There was a lot of immorality going on in the church, really bad stuff. Uh, People would come to church drunk, you know, uh, and and drink too much at church. I mean, can you imagine people were coming and going and it was it was it was a mess. You know, there's a lot of fighting and bickering and divisions. There were groups separated by other groups and it, it was messy. And so Paul took out that whole book, 1 Corinthians, the first letter that he wrote to address those issues. And guess what the church felt? Guilt. But they handled it the right way. And he commends them for it. And that's where he talks about it right here in this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10. And he, he kind of shows. And when you see the word sorrow... I want you to exchange it with guilt, because what he means here by this is the emotional feeling of guilt. Godly sorrow or guilt brings repentance. 
that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Or in other words, no what? Guilt. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be great to be able to feel guilty, but that you were able to take appropriate actions so that you didn't feel it anymore? And I hope that today, this is, this is my goal for you today, this is God's goal for you today, is that you can walk out of here with a good understanding of guilt so that you don't have to walk around and you can feel no regret. But we've got to follow God's plan to be set free. Because the world's plan, I can tell you, first-hand experience, it doesn't work. In fact, it makes you feel ten times as bad. But then it says here, It leads to salvation with no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Now, remember the guiltometer? Far right, far left? That's worldly sorrow. That's some kind of sorrow that's outside of God's plan. Do you know that one of Jesus' apostles demonstrated that for us perfectly? Worldly sorrow? And that it led to his death. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Judas. When Judas betrayed Jesus, he turned him in for 30 silver coins. Guess what he felt? Guilt. When he realized that he had done wrong, he went back to the the Pharisees, back to the teachers of the law. He took the bag of coins with him and he, he gave it back to him and he said, here, I have betrayed innocent blood. And he gave back. And guess what they said to him? Those compassionate Pharisees. Guess what they said to him? That's your problem. That's your deal. You're going to have to deal with it. And so he didn't know what to do with his guilt. He felt so bad. He went out and committed suicide. What a terrible thing. Yet you've got the Apostle Peter, who also betrayed Jesus, right? What did he do with his guilt? He felt horrible, felt really bad. He felt sorrow. He wept bitterly. But where did he go with it? He went towards change. You know, and I feel that some of us, because we're managing guilt on the guiltometer on the two extremes, it's killing us. Little by little. It's killing our relationships. And the most important relationship you will have and you can have is your relationship with God. It's killing you. And so today I want to encourage you, get a right handle on guilt. Manage it well. This scripture continues. So you've got godly guilt or godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. The next next slide. God teaches about a healthy guilt right down the middle on your guiltometer. And let's look at that. Next slide. In verse 11, same, same place in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 11. See, see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm. What longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. All of these red words, what do they translate into? 
action. Do something with your guilt. Very, very important. Don't sit on it. Act on it. Identify it. And this is why it's important for us to understand what what do you do when you're feeling guilty about something? You've got to take that guilt. You've got to look at the guilt-o-meter and say, okay, how am I managing it? But let's identify with what's happening here. And that's what the church in Corinth modeled this. That big bag of guilt. They took it out. They opened it up. And they unpacked it. What's this all about? What am I feeling guilty about? Who? What have I done to create this miserable feeling that I have? It's important for all of us to grab guilt, look at it in the face and say, who are you and where are you from? Are you from God? Or are you from down below? Or are you from manipulating people who are trying to get me to do something that I don't necessarily morally want to do? Are people trying to get me to do this so that I can fit in, so that I can become like them, instead of who I feel I need to be in the eyes of God? See, it's important for all of us to sort our guilt. When you unpack your guilt, you've got to look at where is it from, what's causing it, and deal with it. And that's what the church in Corinth did. They they went after it with earnestness. Ernest is this, well, I'm going to wait a week and see what happens. No, I'm going to deal with this today. If you've got guilt about a particular situation, I want to encourage you to act on it. I want to encourage you to go after it. That's what they did. In fact, there was some sin going on in the church in Corinth. They dealt with it appropriately. They dealt with the person. They said, hey, you can't with this lifestyle. We love you. God loves you. But you cannot be a part of this fellowship, of this community, living like this. Because it's harmful. It's damaging. It's anti-moral. So you've got to be put out for a time. You've got to leave our fellowship for a time. That's what they did. It was painful. It was hard. It was somebody they were close to. But they had to take measures. And they were biblical measures. But see, there are actions sometimes that you've got to do like you've got to. What I had to do in my situation is I had to pull back from from some friends that were influencing me in a bad direction. I'd say no more. You guys are bad news for me. You were to call a bad influence. And so I had to separate myself from them. But I also explained to them this isn't personal. This is something that I feel I need to do to get my life right. So I from those relationships. But this is something you're going to have to think about. This is something you're going to have to do. Eagerness. That you want to do it. That you don't want to just sit on it. A lot of people live in a state of guilt because they don't act on their guilt. They're doing nothing. They're saying, oh, yeah, I know I got this problem. And yeah, I know I've had it for a long time. And it's, I don't know, you know, I'm hoping it'll go away. It's not. You've got to take action. You've got to identify what problem, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation. There's a sense of, oh, I'm going to change this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to live like this anymore. Alarm, longing, concern, and readiness to see justice done. 
And, and I would encourage you, obviously, in 30, 40 minutes, we're not going to have the time to, to go through all of this. I would encourage you to do your own research on how to have this type of repentance. Let's look at the next slide. Another example of what repentance does for us. In other words, repentance means change. Changing your behavior, changing your lifestyle. This is what Peter told the audience that was listening to him in one of his lessons. He said, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And that times of what will become from the Lord? Refreshing. You know, when you make a decision to repent, in other words, change your life, guess what it gives back to you? A sense of refreshment. A sense of, I'm forgiven. God's going to let me off the hook. And you know what happens even in our series that we did, you know, the last few weeks on vengeance? When you talk to somebody, most of the time when you make peace with them, now there are exceptions, but most of the times when you take initiative and you try to make peace with people, guess what happens? There's forgiveness. Both ways. Not always. But a lot of times, with God, when you repent and make peace with God, this is 100%. Do you think he's going to sit back with his arms folded and go, well, let me think about it. Let me think about if I'm going to forgive you for what you've done. You think that's going to happen? No, God has his hand out always, always, always extending forgiveness. Extending the opportunity. You know why? Because He loves you and He wants what's best for you. He sees you wallowing in your guilt. He sees you struggling with what you're going through. And He's trying to provide you with a way out. He's trying to set you free. He died so that you might be free. Not to be on this long guilt trip. It's time for us. Listen to what he's saying so that you can live. And I hope that today you can begin your time of refreshing and start over. And, you know, among each other, as God does, we need to do this with each other. When you see that someone has changed, when you see that someone gets it, that they're taking initiative, that they're, they're really trying to make changes, what should we do with them? Oh, well, you know, I don't know. I've got to think about this because I'm not sure if I'm going to forgive you because, you know, you're just going to turn around and do it again. You know, if God forgives you, who are you not to forgive your brother? And sometimes we want to guilt people out for something that they've done to hurt us. Now, if there's no change, be careful. But if there's change, if there's effort, if there's initiative, if all those characteristics we, taught, we read in 2 Corinthians 11, 7, 11, we need to forgive people. And we need to give them a new start. Next slide. Tools for managing guilt. These are huge. You know, one of the things, it's crazy, but there's a lot of sources of guilt. As I said in the beginning, there are people that struggle with a lot of guilt. Mothers, for example. Mothers, for example, that walk into the, 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 the produce section of the supermarket and you've got broccoli, right? You've got organic broccoli and you've got the normal broccoli the organic broccoli is 4.99 you know an ounce or a, whatever it is however the measurement is and you're going like what has it got in it you know 
And the way our world is today is, you know, you're looking at the 499 organic broccoli and you say, man, I don't want to poison my kids. Right? But then you look at your bank account and you go, I can't afford $10 worth of broccoli. So guess what you do? You know, you go for the, the regular broccoli. It's $1.59. You know, it's a fraction of the price. But then you buy what you can afford. You put it in the cart. And there it is. You're rolling there in the cart. And there's the, there's the broccoli sitting there. And it's, it's poison broccoli. Mom is feeling horrible guilt. I'm poisoning my children. You know, I feel so bad. What kind of mother am I? Hey, listen. You got to set your own standard. But you're not a murderous, poisoning mother. And, and this is what happens in our world. Our world, they, there's all kinds of standards out there. You have to decide by what standard you're going to live on. Now, most of us here in this room have decided that we're going to live by the Bible as our standard. And the reason we've decided is because we've tried other standards. And it's a mess. It makes a mess of your life. And this works. This standard works. It builds great families. It builds great marriages. It builds great relationships. And most of all, it is the way to freedom. Dealing with what's going on. But you've got to decide that for yourself. And please don't be wishy-washy on your standards. You know, some of us, we get on a health kick and we're vegan and we're organic and we're raw. And, you know, and then a week later, we're like, you know, Carl's Jr. And I mean, come on, you, you, you've got to come down here for a landing. There are all kinds of standards and there's wacky standards out there of people that are going to make you feel bad for doing bad things or for make you feel bad about doing good things. And if you don't accompany them to do bad things with them, they're going to make you feel guilty. You got to ask yourself if those relationships are worthwhile. I don't need those relationships. People are going to make me feel bad about doing the right thing. See ya. I don't need your guilt trip. I'm deciding I want to do the right thing. If you want to be my friend, you want to hang with me. That's the way it's going to be. You know, I'm not shutting the door on anybody, but I'm not going to allow people to manipulate me into doing things that I know are hurtful. And that are going to damage my relationship and my, my most precious relationship. Next. So you've got to get the, 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 the Bible as your standard. Number two, the power of prayer. You know, a lot of us, sometimes we, we, don't, we don't realize that God has so much power made available to us if we'll just invest time in prayer. You know, we're frustrated. We're not making changes because we're not powering up through what God has given us. I mean, I've seen some people that have gone from, from drug addiction to, to really, really dark lifestyles through the power of prayer become transformed into totally different people because they dedicate the time to finding God's supernatural power through prayer. Jesus demonstrated it. He modeled it for his disciples. He says, these things are only going to change through prayer.
But you've got, to, you've got to dedicate the time. If you want to be set free from guilt, if you want to unpack guilt and sort guilt in the right way, spend some time praying through what's weighing you down and praying for God's strength so that you can make those changes that you feel you can't make. I would encourage you to pray about it. And then number three, or, and, and that goes along with forgiveness. There's great, great, great power in forgiveness. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The, the, the third thing here is repentance. Go after change quickly. When you're slow to change and you're slow to respond, it only leads to obsessive guilt. Go after change quickly. Like today. Make a plan. Get help. Get with some people that you see are modeling this in their own life. Next slide. And this is our, our passage here. What does God want us to help with our guilt? And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Not guilt. Peace. The peace of Christ. Could you imagine a place of peace? Knowing that any change that God presents to you that you need to make, you're going to go after it and you're doing your best and He's with you. Imagine that, that place of peace where you can, you can sit and this is something that I did not have as a young man was peace. And I believe there's so many of us because of guilt we're not living at peace. We're medicating peace. We're avoiding guilt. But we're not finding peace. What God wants to give us is peace in here. And you think by avoiding people, avoiding situations, well, I'm just not going to go to church. I'm just not going to be a part of this family. I'm just not going to be a part of this group. I'm going to avoid. I'm going to run. You think by that it's going to solve your problem? There's so many people that are in relationships, marriages, that think by ending the relationship, it's going to end their guilt. Let me tell you, it's multi-level fold heavy. When you leave, when you end that relationship, you're taking that guilt with you. And it's heavy. And it will not give you peace. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. What's God calling us to today? He's calling you to peace. He's calling you to find a healthy view on guilt. Guilt in and of itself needs to be temporary. Meaning you feel it, you deal with it, and you move on. It is not something that you need to carry around like a heavy you know, bag everywhere you go. That means you're not dealing. It's something temporary. You feel it. You take action on it. And you accept God's forgiveness. And you move forward. Next slide. And this is where we're going to close out. How important is this idea of managing guilt to God? It's huge. In verse 22 it says, But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. Through death. 
to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Free from what? Another word for accusation? Guilt. Free from guilt. Where does God want to take you? Why did Jesus die? Why did he offer himself up to be brutally murdered? This is the plan. To set you free from guilt. Church is not supposed to be a place that loads us down with guilt. It's a place where we can get in touch with what is actually causing the guilt. Don't blame it on a church setting. Don't blame it on a person. Deal with what's yours. Grab that guilt and deal with it. Look it in the face and say, who are you and where are you from? And if it's not from God, guess what you do with that guilt? You throw it away. Because it's not healthy guilt. And it's free from blemish, without blemish, and free from accusation if you continue in your faith. In other words, you've got to stay with it. You've got to stay in this. Avoidance, taking time off, is not going to make it better. It's not going to change it. You've got to deal with it. Establish and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Next slide. If you're on a guilt trip today, I want to encourage you to cancel your trip. How are you going to cancel your trip? Dealing with your guilt. Identifying your guilt. Get, get tools in place so that you can make the changes. Identify what's real guilt and what's worldly guilt. And make those changes. Because no one, no one wants to be on a guilt trip. That is not God's plan for you. But if you're on one, guess who's responsible for it? You are. It's time that you stop blaming other people and other situations for your first class round trip, it, trip ticket on your guilt trip. You need to get off that plane, get off that bus, and start dealing with your guilt. That's not where God wants you to be. He wants you to be free. And how do you deal with it? You get the guilt-o-meter out, and you're going to have to identify it. There is no guilt-o-meter. I thought it was a cool way of looking at it. But you're going to have to identify, where am I at on the guilt-o-meter? Am I numb? Or am I just riddled with a lot of guilt? And then you're going to have to have some talks with people. Get help with your guilt. And spend that time prayer and in Bible study, work through it, but it has to be a temporary place where you get out of it. So that times of refreshing, times of peace, times of joy can return. And in conclusion, next slide. Here's what I want to leave you with. Identify your guilt. Where are you from and who are you? And sort your guilt. You're going to have to go through it and say, what's what? You know, is the reason that you're feeling guilty about not playing a sport because your dad or mom wanted you to play that sport? Or is it what you wanted to do or whatever else it is that that's making you feel guilty? Identify with what it what it is. Sort it. What's what? Who's causing this? But if it's from God, 
And if it's something, a moral issue that you're living and you know it's not right, if it's a conscience issue, you've got to deal with that. And you've got to get help with it. And then number three, if you're a guest here, I want to encourage you to do our core four Bible studies. Talk to the person that invited you. Get in those Bible studies so you can begin a relationship with God. And there's going to be a lot talked about in those studies uh, about how to make changes and, and not go on a guilt trip. Too many people come here to church ladled with guilt and just riddled with it. And it's time to be set free. And finally, men, I want to encourage you to model, model in your environments a healthy guilt. You know what our, our MO is, our reputation as men? We're numbed out. I want to encourage you to break that reputation. Us be men who have the courage to face guilt. Face what's bothering our conscience. Change it and move forward so we can be free and we can be strong. Guilt makes many a strong man weak. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we are grateful this morning that you've taught us how to manage our guilt. God, I ask you to please uh, forgive me for the wrong ways that I've managed guilt in my own life. Forgive me for the way that I uh, mismanage guilt in the lives of people that I love in my home and, and even in the church. God, I do pray as a church that we can begin a new chapter of our lives of being proactive when we feel guilt. And not see guilt as a bad thing, but embrace things, embrace guilt as a, a God-given gift. That's an indicator that something's not right and that we need to make changes. Thank you that Jesus came here to die for our sins and set us free. God, we are grateful that you love us that much, that you would die for us, that you would bleed for us, that you would be beaten for us, to set us free so that we don't have to carry guilt around anymore. Forgive us for our sins that we've committed against you and help us to be eager and, and earnest about making changes this week, even today. We love you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word that teaches us how to live. Help us to make the most of it today and be set free from guilt. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.